all the time with your boys, former NFL Philadelphia Eagle Ray Ellis and Fan Man. Your number one fan-oriented sports talk leader, Voice America Sports. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. Yeah, I want to get faster, stronger, and I don't want it to kill me. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network, and there's a possibility I have the number one co-host in the world with me. Is that right? No, that is not right. See, it's this thing with Fan Man. You know, fan Man. I, oh, Fan. See, he just wanted to delay things a little bit. See, that's Fan Man getting all the attention himself. Fan Man, what's happening? Hey, what's happening there, Ray? Uh, yeah, I was at the Lakers game, the second game. I started that fight in the stands. That's why well, we can't go see the game tonight in Staples Center. Well, that's you know, that's just like you, because uh, you know you've been known to start fights. You I know, you know, it's interesting. At Stadium. I started fights all over the place. Now I got kicked out of Staples. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting that uh, that one of our guests uh, thought you were the guy that I think that flew down in the, in the center uh, of the uh, of the ring when there was a fight going on in in yeah, the late eighties, early nineties. I just didn't want to say anything. That, that perhaps was you. I'll let the police know. I mean, my know. reputation's bad enough. Yeah, I'll I, let the police I, I, know in case they're looking for you. I mean, I get in more trouble. Even the, the national sports broadcasters know who I am. Well, hey, you're the number one co-host in the world. Fan and for man. those of you out there who would like to talk to Fan Man, you certainly can call us at 866-472-5788. Again, Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network at 866 866- Four seven two five seven eight eight, and I've got the number one co-host in the world, Fan Man, with me. Fan Man, listen, uh, you're talking about the Lakers again. It's a beautiful day in the Valley. I have to say that each and every time, but I think it's a beautiful day out there in the California Valley too. Because it's, it's a more beautiful day out here than it is there. You're sitting at 113. I'm sitting in a beautiful sunny 82 by the pool. Well, regardless of what the weather is, there are a lot of people that are happy to do the fact that they're still in the game. The Lakers are still; they still have another chance. Well, you know, you know, Ray, when you watch that game when they they dropped the 24 points on, on, on the third game and then they came back in the fourth game, I I thought they were done. But you know, that great coach Phil Jackson, he got in there and he motivated those boys to get up there and play and not make fools out of themselves. But I, now I think, now I really do think that they pulled that out. I think it's going to go to a game seven, and I hope it does because that is exciting basketball and exciting sports that we all need in this country due to the economic problems and the gas problems. Everybody's having a good time watching the basketball game. Well, it is certainly a, uh, a good way to entertain the family and friends to get together and to watch a competitive sport being played. But, you know, talking about competitive, you would like to see competition that is even and that is fair. And I'll tell you what was even and fair was to see Tiger Woods and, and that young man. Well, I guess the gentleman was a little older than Tiger. Uh, but to see them His compete, name is Rocco. yeah, Rocky. to see, them, yeah, hey, Rocky Balboa, yeah, right. see, and to see, and to see them compete. Uh, now that is a game of which, you know, you have to give credit where credit is due, and those are two men where the only thing they were up against, they weren't even against each other. It's it's you against the golf course. And it was amazing to see them go at each other like that. That that was an amazing golf tournament. I watched the last couple rounds, and, you know, Rocky almost had it made. He almost beat him. And it would have been really, really cool to see him beat Tiger Woods. But, uh, you know, they just interviewed him on CNN, and they were talking about how he felt about it. And he just said he felt great to be a part of it and that he had a chance to win. And he uh, basically he trades trades his uh, golf teaching skills. He teaches golf uh, for poker uh, teaching. So well, he trades off to be a good, better poker player. See, he's an all-around sports guy. Well, I, I will say this. Certainly, you know, I, I, I've always been one of those people that, you know, second is not first. First is first, and we only remember our winners. There are many times 
as I said, it's not horseshoes. That's the only thing where you come close and you get a few points for it. But I can say this, and I know this to be a fact, is that many people may forget who Tiger beat in order to win the Open, but I guarantee you Tiger will never forget who his competition was on that day. Nope, he never will. Never will. Never it is will. one of those it's one of those things where as you just you never forget it because you know to the extent you had to go and you know who it was that was breathing down your neck and more importantly you know whose name they were going to call in the event that it wasn't yours. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they called. had a kid on the uh, Jay Leno show or one of the talk shows uh, over the last two weeks. I can't remember what day, but he's three years old. And uh, they're, they're talking that he might be the next Tiger Woods. This, guy, this kid is three years old hitting golf balls like, you know, 100 feet. It's incredible. You know, it's going to be a long time before there's another Tiger Woods, just as there was a long time before there was another Jack Nicholas and all the other great golfers. You know, that's a lot of pressure to put on, <laughs> on a guy that's, that's three years old. But speaking of a lot of pressure, let me move to another pressure situation. I think there's a pressure situation going back to the NBA and to the championship, which could be the final game tonight in Boston. But I think the pressure has been somewhat put up on the Celtics because of the fact that they didn't win in in L.A. But I don't think the guys really wanted to. I mean, if they, could, if they could write a script as to how this season would turn out and where they would win the game, even though it's a pressure situation, I think this is what they live for, and this is how and where they want to win this championship game tonight. Yeah, they want to win it in Boston, but, you know, with all the cheating scandals going on in the NBA right now, I mean, you know, there are... You didn't say cheating. You, you couldn't... Wait, wait, fan man, fan man, fan man, fan man, how right. can you say cheating in Boston all in the same thing? I mean, isn't out there with the New England Patriots, all right? You're not, you're not saying cheating well, in Boston. Well, apparently there's a lot of cheating going on in the Northeast United States. I mean, you got the Patriots cheating, and then and now you got the NBA. I don't know if they're cheating or not. I, I you know, I, I can't understand when you hit somebody. I mean, last year in the playoffs with the Suns um, um, and uh, the point guard, what's his name? Steve Nash. Who? Steve, Steve Nash. Nash. When Steve Nash got kicked in the nuts and went flying into the into the, hey, the hey, broadcaster's hey, hey, hey. table, I, w- I expected that to be a foul. Well, it was a foul, and, and, and Robert Ory, yeah, it was a foul. I get confused on fouls. I get confused on when you bump somebody, or I can see them interfering. That's a foul when they interfere in the shot. But sometimes when you look at it, it doesn't seem to me that there, there's a foul. Like if you, you bump his arm, or even afterwards, if you slam into one player, one player slams into another player, it's kind of confusing as to is it really a foul? Well, here's what you're saying, fam, and you're saying there. Saying. What, what you're saying is there's no consistency with the referees in terms of what is considered a foul, what's a flagrant foul, what's a technical foul, and when there is going to be a suspension. Now, I, I agree with you, and I think that's what the problem is. See, the problem with NBA officiating should it should never be this. Back in the day, they had a thing called the Jordan Rules for those young people out there who are not old enough to remember that, and that was a style of play of which the Detroit Pistons brought into play to stop Michael Jordan. They were going to be physical with him. Well, being physical with Michael meant that you were going to foul him. But however, not every time that they were physical with Michael at home in Detroit were they called. Now, here is where the problem is. Why is it that a foul is a foul in Chicago, but it's not a foul in Detroit? That's where the problem is. The problem problem is is. when you have what's called what they're calling... You know, home field advantage. Home field advantage is only supposed to be because you have your fans there with you. Right. It should not be because of the fact you're going to get an extended amount of privileges 
because you're at home. And the referees are being inconsistent with that. And then what happens if there's a home field advantage and it goes to game seven, whoever keeps that home court advantage throughout the series is going to win because game seven is going to be played on their home court. That's right. And so, listen, if it happens on a court, on a field, whatever it is, the, the referee should not do that. And there should be no way. Now, this guy, Van Gundy, you know, I, I remember <laughs> one of my you know, most enjoyable moments ever watching a basketball game. I believe that it was Van Gundy's team in New York. New York, yeah. And, yeah, and, and they, were playing, uh, they were playing against some team, and one of the big fellas came in and started a fight with one of Gundy's players. And, and he was down on the guy's ankle trying to hold him. And it, it just looked so funny. But here it is. This is the same man who is now. And this is what I like so much about Voice America and the Voice America Network is, listen, we are not out here to, to bash people, to be insulting to people. We're speaking our opinion. We're not sports reporters. We're, we're not journalists. We're just fans now. Fan Man and I are fans of the game, but we can speak our opinion. But when Van Gundy does not have the intestinal fortitude to step up and say, yes, I had a problem when my team was in the playoffs and I felt as if Yamin was not treated fairly, that they were indeed out to get him and to perhaps maybe follow him out of the game and for this now this referee who's being indicted to say that that did occur and now Van Gundy says well I don't want to give any credence to what he says so I'm going to back off what I said no don't do that well you know he's backing off right because he wants he doesn't want to lose his uh, exactly. uh, ABC uh, um, broadcasting job he's not going to open his big mouth and say what he really feels like we can say here but you know the, I, I think getting into this uh, referee who uh, basically got charged last year for fixing games in Sacramento and he said a couple other referees were fixing games I mean, where's David Stern in all this? Where, I mean, they're calling for his head right now, and they're also saying that uh, Jerry Colangelo, who was the uh, basically the founder of the Phoenix Suns, should be the new commissioner to straighten this mess out. And I think the NBA has to come up with new rules for fouls. I, I, you know, because I get very, I, I watch the game and I sit there and I can't figure it out. I can't, you know, I can't figure out who's getting fouled and why they're getting called, and they don't explain it. And nobody understands it. And then the other team, I mean, if the other player gets kicked out of the game, then there's a chance that the other team's going to win. And the fans get pissed off and everybody's upset and nobody understands it. And then this cheating scandal comes out. And now I think they need to do a whole revamp in the NBA. They need to change this. And I think that a flagrant foul, pushing somebody into the stands, stomping on their face, uh, kicking them in the nuts, uh, that kind of thing. But going up for the basket and the guy, you know, it's like he's coming down the court. He, and he goes right underneath the basket, and he goes up to get it, and the other, the other team, the other player goes to block that shot, then they call a foul. Well, he's going up to block the shot. He's, he's not trying to hit the player. He's blocking the ball. So if he hits the guy's body, then they call a foul. I don't understand that. When I played basketball, which wasn't, you know, I wasn't a good basketball player, but it was like I'm going up for the shot, and if and somebody hits the ball out of my hands, and, I, and the other guy hits my hand or it touches my body, they call foul. Hey, fan man, I'm going to take you someplace. Now, you've probably never been there, but I'm going to take you to the hood. And in the hood, you know, when you go to the hole, you can expect to get hit. Now, also, you get your props in the hood when as the game is on the line, don't just start calling the foul because, okay, we up by one. If we win, you know, the game is over. But now, all of a sudden, you're going to start calling fouls. And it seems to me that there's a little inconsistency with what happens 
in the game when it's on the line. Right, exactly. You I know, and so now all of a sudden time. they're starting to play ball, some street ball, and the referees are now trying to do what the team in the hood is does right. when they don't want to get eliminated. All of a sudden they start calling fouls all the time. And, well, and, that's, and, that's another thing. They're calling fouls left and right, and then the coach has to pull the player off the court because he has four fouls, and there's a chance of him getting kicked out of the game because the other, the other side is trying to force him out of the game with these fouls. So now it comes right back to what I said before, the referees calling these fouls is he is it really a foul? I mean, what is a foul? That's what it has to come down to. What is a, a legitimate foul? Now, if the guy gets hit in the face, he's going up to shoot the ball, and he gets smacked in the face with an elbow or a body slam or something like that. That's that's a foul because he's not going to be able to make the shot. But when you see some of these, like Steve Nash, when he got slammed in the, into that table. And, and then they kicked out Stoudemire, I think, uh, and, and some other player for two, two of the playoff games. Remember that last year? Now, I remember that. I Phoenix about that. Well, listen, fam, man, I, I don't know if you can hear that music, but whenever that music. music comes on, that means we got to pay some bills. So, listen, you're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Man. We're going to pay a bill, and we'll be right back. now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move oh, on I just, and get I just ready. think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, speak up, speak up or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. I'm Joe Wood, president of Famous Footwear. We are a proud sponsor of March of Dimes' premier walking event, March for Babies, formerly known as Walk America. More babies begin healthy lives because of March of Dimes' research and programs. And with our support, we can do even more for families all over America. One day, all babies will be born healthy, but we have to walk to get there. Join the March for Babies. Sign up at marchforbabies.org. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports yeah 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 we are back you are listening to rail of sports on the voice america network with the number one co-host in the world yeah 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 fam man okay fam man listen I, fam man can you hear that music when i'm going to commercial break yeah 
Okay, I just want to make sure you hear that music. I talked to the great engineers in San Diego before we went on the air, and they said they would take care of it, and I think they've done a tremendous job in helping us uh, do better on the show with their music. Okay, shout out to those guys out there in San Diego. You know, hey, it's a beautiful San, San Diego. Diego. doing a great job. But, uh, fam, man, let me get back, because we're talking about a game, and we're talking about the integrity of the game, and the integrity of the games are, are very important, and, and, and I don't want to get away from it, because, see, what happens... Things come into question. You got guys who played for the New England Patriots who went out on the field and did the best they possibly could. And now it's been brought into question as if there was some cheating going on. Now you got basketball going on and you got guys that have won championship games. And now you find out that perhaps maybe they had some assistance from the referees of which they didn't bring the guys in the back room and cut deals with them. But somehow, possibly... It's been brought into question. Now, most of the times in a court of law, you are innocent until proven guilty, and it has to be there's no reasonable doubt. Right. Okay, but there's some the reasonable right. doubt here what's happening right. with these basketball games. If you go back to the game in 2002 with the Lakers and the Sacramento Kings, okay, they, the, the Lakers won that game because they had 24 free throws. Okay. Now, okay. And and people were questioning that, and the Kings fans and the King and the Kings organization were really pissed off about that. They thought there was something going on, and they didn't look into it at that point. And it happened with Phoenix, and it, it happened with the Spurs. And now um, uh, this whole thing is, is is boiling. And basically, the bottom line is they're calling for David Stern to leave, get out, bring new blood in, and and straighten this thing out about officiating basketball. And and, and to tell you the truth, as a fan of basketball, I'm, I mean I'm not a hardcore fan, but I like the game and I like to see the play play because they're very talented but I just don't I think they need to to, to straight to, to streamline this because you know in football they, they, they show you where somebody actually does something very vicious and that's called a foul or they eject them out of the game but in basketball these guys are running up and down this court very quickly very fast sometimes I don't even see the referees running around well, you know, you see the referees. Yeah, I, I see them. You know, I, I follow the game. You how know, many, I'm really how many referees do they have in a game? Well, there's three guys on there's the three. court. Okay. You know, but what I, I'm, I'm a frustrated basketball player anyway. But I, I'm, I'm uh, Jeff's on the line, and we're going to get Jeff, uh, you know, on okay. with us. Of course, Jeff Mosher is our East Coast correspondent. Jeff, you there with us? Hey guys, how's it going? Hey Jeff, how good. You Jeff, we're, we're good, talking good. a little bit about about basketball. We really haven't even gotten into football yet. We, we're talking about basketball, and we're talking mm-hmm. about the fact that, and we talked a little bit about Tiger too. You know, Tiger, of course, you know, it was amazing that he and uh, you know, I call the guy Rocky Balboa. You know, were able to <laughs> take it down to the wire, and uh, uh, and Tiger still won, and the guy came close. But again, you know, we won't remember who he is, but Tiger will always remember who took him to the length. But that is a game where there was there was no and I don't like to say this, but there was no cheating involved in that. Those were two men that competed against the golf course in the presence. How do you cheat in golf? Well, that's what I'm you're saying. There was no cheating well, uh, You know, Vijay Singh, I believe, is, was kicked off the Indonesian tour many years ago for filling out his uh, scorecard incorrectly, in quotations, I'll say, um, which, which is a sign of cheating when you, when you sign a faulty scorecard. See, so there's a, there, there's a, there's a way where perhaps maybe the integrity of the game could be brought into question. And then guys who have worked so hard, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps maybe now there's an asterisk next to their name. And I can't believe we're back up into that area of Boston again and talking about what perhaps maybe when it's all said and done, again, referees are involved in this particular case, whereas, and Jeff, you know how this is, and I don't know why it is, 
Why is it that there is a home field, a home court advantage? Let's say this, in, because we're talking about basketball. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and Fan Man talked about this. The Lakers shoot, you know, years ago, shot twenty-four fouls shots, probably in excess of what you know their competitors did. Why is it that they are? Everybody knows it that Michael Jordan didn't get the calls in Detroit that he got in Chicago. Why is it, if you're not cheating, then why are you inconsistently calling fouls for one team or the other based upon which arena the game is being played in? That makes you think there's cheating. Yeah, absolutely it does. And, you know, I, you know, David Stern will never come forward and say it, but you almost get the idea that when one team takes a 2 nothing lead over another in these best-of-seven finals and you start to see the games officiated a little differently, the, you know, they go to a different site, and all of a sudden, the home team starts getting the calls, and it almost looks like they're trying to, you know, even out the series through the officiating. And then that's not the way to do it. But it seems like we have this kind of discussion not just every year, but with every uh, seven-game series starting from the first uh, first round of the playoffs. Hey, Jeff, would you agree that you know if this is going on with the referees, that they are trying to fix the game where they can take it to a game seven, where they can get the high-end ratings and the big, big money from the advertisers because uh, because of this, because they're down too well, they come back here, they lose that game 24 points on the third game. The fourth game, game they come back and win. Now we're going to the fifth game tonight. Yeah. It's a, it's, like, it's a bold accusation to make, fan man, but it, the evidence almost seems to support what well, you're saying. Yeah, well, that's what the Voice of America Sports is about. We can make these bold uh, statements, and we can say how we feel. I mean, just in general, to, to say that you know the, the, the NBA is, you know, is purposely trying to have games officiated differently to even out a series or be an equalizer, uh, we have no proof, but it just seems that's the, always been the trend. And then, you know, guys, let me let me just say that. And, and that as a guy who has, you know, blood, sweat and tears, I've been on and we're talking about integrity of the game, you know, because right now we'll talk about this a little later. In fact, mm-hmm. I may have a good friend of ours uh, join us. Uh, Earl Edwards is one of the guys who played ball for the Cleveland Browns and perhaps maybe uh, may join us on the call a little bit later. You know, talking about the history of games and talking about championships and talking about people to put everything they possibly had into the game and then to know that there's somebody else that you were not aware of that affected the outcome of that. I mean, for the players, that I mean, I don't I really don't like that. I want I want to believe that I am truly giving my all and that that is what's going to be the outcome of the game and not something that we did, you know, behind mm-hmm. the scenes or something well, like that. Angry, Although, angry, I got to say, guys, wait, 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 wait. Let me finish. Let, let play, me finish. Uh, ball the way it should be played without the reps. Hey, but let me finish <laughs> this because I don't want something to come back and haunt me later on. I am aware of the fact that this kind of stuff happens. Let me say that. I want everybody to know clearly I'm aware of the fact that these kind of things do happen. Now, what does that mean? Uh, I'll tell you later what that means. I got to keep you coming back because one day I'm going to reveal what that means. But I can just tell you this. They will try everything they possibly can do to get every edge. Now, going to the referees, I don't know about that. But this little spy well, you know, stuff and all that, I know a little bit about that. Last year in Phoenix, he was, he was uh, having an affair with some chick in Phoenix, but he went to my high school, that referee. That referee that's yeah, in question now? High school. Yeah. Wait, Tim Donaghy? Yeah. One? Yeah, he oh, went to yeah. Carl Howard High School in Springfield, yeah. Delaware County. Yeah, he, he Dunahee went to that high school. Mm-hmm. Wow, how about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I, in fact, I was watching uh, last year when he got busted, and they were saying, yeah, well, he went to high school at Cardinal O'Hara, and I almost, I almost fell down when I heard that. Well, do you think? Wait, let me ask you something. So, that's you, a prestigious Catholic high school in this country. Yes, it is. So, so do you believe that his upbringing at his high school affected his cheating? 
Uh, yeah, we all cheated there. <laughs> <laughs> we we learned how to cheat the best we could. <laughs> he, he, but he was the best of all. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia fan, man, is not one of the places to do a lot of cheating because you know you don't all you may come out and your car may not work. You know, something oh, happened. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's we what, know that. But let's 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 move on a little bit. We're talking about the integrity of the game. I want to talk a little bit about a program that uh, the NFL started, and uh, you know, one of the great ball players, Hall of Famer Michael Irving was the brainchild behind it. And, uh, again, man, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder, but uh, there's a high school there called Canton McKinley High School that kind of understood the impact that the Pro Football Hall of Fame could possibly have on its players. And there was a great man by the name of Paul Brown who coached a high school called Masson, Ohio. And I guess the guys at Canton McKinley thought the only way we could beat the Masson Tigers was that if we would go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame the night before and see all these great football players who played this great game, and it might inspire us so that we had the ability and the energy and everything else it took, the inspiration, uh, to beat the Madison Tigers. And it worked a few times. But now the NFL also realizes, hey, we need to have players coming in, you know, to make sure that they understand the history of the players and the game. And so they're taking them to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, uh... I, if I'm not sure, if I'm not mistaken, Jeff, I think the Eagles have already been out there, and uh, maybe Harold Carmichael was a, a part of that. Did you hear anything about that? Yeah, I know some rookies were involved. Uh, I, I didn't get all the information, but I believe some rookies were involved in going out there and uh, to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think Harold took them, and they got to experience. Uh, you know, many of them have never had never been able to chance to be there. Got to experience that for themselves. Hey, hey, fan man, have you ever been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? No, no, I haven't. I, I would love to go there and do a show live. Uh, I, I'm just going to say this for any sports enthusiast that is out there, particularly someone who has the love for the game of football, it has to be one of those things on your bucket list. You have to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame before you go home place. to that place up in the right. sky. It is one of, it's just, it's, oh, God, it's chilling. I, I, I totally agree with you that if you go to the Pro you know, Hall, uh, the, the, the Hall of Fame and, and you see all the players that basically built the game up from the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. In fact, the other night I was watching Invincible with Vince Papali, and they were showing some of the players and some of the players' jerseys that I forgot all about. And then I started thinking about the, Dick Vermeil, Dick Vermeil, the guy who played Dick Vermeil, the coach, was actually talking about you know character and, and you're putting your heart into it, and it was a great speech, but he was going back to Norm Van Brocklin and Tommy McDonald, Sonny Jurgensen, and those type of people that everybody has forgotten about who basically were the foundation of building the NFL to what it is today. Now, those guys were. I mean, all of them were a part of that foundation. And it, it, it's, it's, it's just chilling. When you walk in it, you, you know you're in a place where history was made. You know that there's some people that made some tremendous sacrifices. You do get a better and a deeper understanding for the game of football. And then they have probably, there can't be a theater like this any place in the world where you go into this theater and you sit there and when you sit down in the seat the next thing you know it's almost like you're in an amusement park and on a roller coaster and your seat starts turning and then a screen comes up in front of you and it's like 3D and you are almost like right in the middle of oh. You know, it is. I, it, I can feel it. I, I took myself all the way back. Calm down, Ray. Calm you, down. You know, and and I thought, but I think it's one of the best programs that they ever decided to implement. I don't know what took you know, them so I think long. They should do, hey, Ray, uh oh, fan man, fan man, fan man, you hear that music? You talk to me about that music. 
right, and you said with it. Okay, we'll talk about it on the other side. It's music to the ears. Listen, you listen to Rally Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Man. You hear the music, you got to hear the commercial. We'll be right back. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Lay the bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. If you love sports and like food, or like sports and love food, or are anywhere in between, Sports Bites might just become one of your favorite ways to spend your lunch break. Broadcasting Thursdays at 12 o'clock noon on the West Coast, it's Sports Bites with Chef Die, a delicious, enlightening, and entertaining mix of sports, food, and celebrity athletes. Yummy. Don't miss Sports Bites with Chef Die, Thursdays at noon on the Voice America Sports Channel. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports rail of sports on the voice america network that's where you're at that's where we want you to stay for those who like to call 866-472-5788 is the number the toll-free number to call we're having fun as we always do. This is a sports talk show. We are not, well, with the exception of Jeff and Jeff, we appreciate you being there. <laughs> you know, we are not experts. Fan Man and myself, we are not experts. We're just enjoying the conversation, and we hope that you join in. I hope you in, enjoy listening to us. And I just want to say to those fans out there that I appreciate it. You know, uh, the numbers have been going up tremendously. There are so many people that are listening to us. And we certainly appreciate it. We hope that we not only inform you, but we hope you have a little fun so we entertain you a little bit as well. But, uh, you know, we were talking about some of those great moments in, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, it's, it, you know, it's that time now where there's a rookie class that's coming in. And who knows, perhaps maybe one of those young players that are coming in as rookies could possibly, you know, find themselves in a position to be on the ballot, to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame one day, Jeff. With with that being said, 
uh, with this class is coming in, is there one player that kind of sticks out in your mind who you think when it's all said and done, you know, provided that they all stay healthy, which we know is not going to happen, and they all play to their fullest potential, uh, which that may not happen either. <laughs> but hypothetically, back. is there one guy out there you think perhaps maybe or a couple that could one day be on the ballot? You mean of this rookie class? Yeah, this rookie class, yep. Oh, boy, that's a, that's a tough one because this was considered kind of a, a down rookie class as far as skill position players. Uh, a lot of a lot of question marks surrounding Darren McFadden coming from a spread offense. Uh, well, you got that kid from the Falcons drafted, Matt Ryan. I mean, uh, he's a local kid, Jeff. You're going with the local guy. To Peyton Manning as far as his preparation. So uh, he has those are some obviously some very big cleats to fill, but. Um, it looks like he'll have a, a shot to win that job immediately and start his own legacy. Now, he is a local kid, am I right, Jeff? Uh, local Philadelphia, yeah. Penn yeah. High School. Um, and a Delaware County kid. Now, if you could Delaware take County. yourself back. Really we're out in Delaware County. You know, Ray, I, 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 I mean, I, mean um, I, I, I had it on my, to my tongue. I don't remember what town he's from. I think uh, maybe it's Chester County. It's somewhere on that uh, that borderline area. Yeah, but that was one of the guys I, I think I was uh, teasing the guy we had on before we had a guy on with us uh, uh, from out in that area. And, uh, and I, I think the, the kid got away and uh, didn't go to Penn State. So that, that was a little concern. But, uh, you know, I'm looking back, you know, did he come out with a lot of fanfare or did he, did he, was he under the radar, Jeff? Do you remember? Uh, you know, I don't really remember. It was, uh, it was some five or six years ago. And um, I'm not quite sure. Obviously, going to Boston College, he had to have been uh, pretty highly recruited. I don't remember if Penn State was, uh, you know, by that time Penn State had gotten Anthony Morelli, so who's who was also a senior this year, and Morelli was the the third-rated quarterback in the country. So I'm pretty sure that um, they didn't have a scholarship; uh, they weren't going to pursue another quarterback uh, when they had the guy that they wanted. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out the way they wanted, but that uh, that was the case at the time. Well, hey, you, yes, sir. Yeah, what, what I want—I got cut off, but I'm back on. What I wanted to finish my uh, my point was about the Hall of Fame that they should bring. I think a lot of people will never see the Hall of Fame, and uh, they—I think they should take that on the road. I think they should go to different cities during the season and let people see the Hall of Fame, like in some kind of a big monster tractor trailer or something that they can put together, like Har- Harley Davidson does it. They have—they show the history of all of Harley Davidson, where the first motorcycles were built, and that whole thing. And I think it'd be great if the Hall of Fame went on tour to the NFL cities during the game during the season well it would be it would be kind of like a virtuality kind of thing and and perhaps maybe that might work but i'm going to tell you fam and there is there, there's nothing like it you know i'm i'm one of those kids that i i, I was privileged i'm going to say that because i had the privilege to stand outside again i mean when when uh when joe green made that coca-cola commercial uh-huh. i'm telling you i i lived that because i would stand outside the gate and look into the stadium and see these men that were bigger than mm-hmm. giants and 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 just just imagine what it could possibly be like to one day, you know, have an opportunity to play that game. And, and just to be there when you see, again, these men that are bigger than life get accepted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and, and break down the emotion. Just they're overcome with emotion. Their families are there. People really appreciate them. I mean, I, I didn't no, no, go I back to this. I, I just think a lot of people will never be will never be able to see it or experience it. But you know, for them to go on the road to give them a glimpse of what it's like, and, and uh, you know, I, I just think that'd be nice. That's all. Well, you know, but I again, I'm I'm going to say this. It's almost like the bucket list. The bucket list is a thing where you've got to do it. You've got to be there. You've got to enjoy. Right. You've got to enjoy that experience. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm going to say to you, fan man. Right. I'm going to say to you, you got to get on that Harley of yours, and you got to drive across country, and you will thank me for being there. There is no well, doubt in my mind. I'll do this. I'll stop by Phoenix and pick you up, and then we'll drive together on the Harley. 
Wait a second. What? No, what? I don't want you behind me on a Harley. What's what's this all about? <laughs> Why don't you guys do a show there from the Hall of Fame game? That's well, you know what we're planning. Uh, next year, we want to. We should go to the Hall of Fame, and mm -hmm. we should do a show directly from the Hall of Fame at the time that they induct the players, which is coming up probably what the, in September or August. No, it's coming up so in August, August, guys. So and we make plans now to go there, so all the fans can see us and they can meet us, and we can be right there and interview these players. It'd be great. Well, let me just say this, guys. I've already spoken to. Uh, you know, president of Internet Radio at Voice America. I'm going to put him on the spot to Jeff Spinard. And uh, Jeff is supposed to be uh, making that happen. Jeff's supposed to be out there with us, too. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to take a cheater with me home. Oh, wow. But anyway, yeah, we're, we're actually thinking about that. We're trying to put that together to broadcast live from Canton, Ohio, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, That'll my hometown. Yes, I, I would really look forward to that. But 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 when I when I asked Jeff about some players that may make it into the Hall of Fame, you know, you know, Jeff, sometimes what happens is there are a few sleepers that make it. It's not always, you know, you know, the number one draft pick of that draft or first rounders. There's You're a right. couple guys that are fly under the radar and make yeah, it into like the Dan Pro Football. Third Say round that again. Pick the Carolina Panthers. How that happened? Uh, exactly. 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 And and that's one thing that's so good about this game of football. It, it truly is a great game. You know, sometimes people, you know, they come into their own a little late. And then there's, you know, there's there's role players. And this is the part about the Pro Football Hall of Fame that I like. It, you know, I'm going to kind of connect this a little bit with the Tiger Woods thing where Tiger will never forget the person that took him to you know, desperation to win the, the, the Open the other day. And that is... Many times, these great players are making it into the game. When you ask them who was some of the, you know, the toughest competition they played against, they probably had a game against, you know, a role player, somebody who wasn't a household name mm -hmm. that, you know, that really gave them a real tough game. You know? And so these Hall of Famers that make it to the Hall of Fame, they are surrounded by role players. They play against role players. They play against people that are not household names. And I just want to commend some of those great guys, too, because that's how the Hall of Famers made it into the Hall of Fame, competing against these, as they say, average players. And there's a lot of those out there. Well, okay, just, hey, listen to this now, guys. Just around the corner is training camp. Training no. camp is starting. And that's where it all starts. That's how you get into the Hall of Fame, training camp. Even though Alan Iverson says practice? What do you mean practice? No, training camp is where it all starts. And I bet you if you talk to a lot of them, they, they, did, they never liked training camp. Nobody likes training camp. But it's something you have to go through. Jeff, it's some of the most grueling training camps I've experienced in my life was up there at Westchester with Dick Vermeil and, 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 and killing the team <laughs> doing training camp. Well, you know what's funny about, about Dick Vermeil? They, they, when he was the first-year coach in, in Philadelphia, when he came from UCLA, they had it on that movie, Invincible. And the, one of the other coaches came over to him and said, Hey, Dick, if you don't, if you don't slow these guys up, they're going to be dropping on the field. And he said, No, they're going to they're stay on that field until they get it right. It was well, pretty, that, he was pretty hardcore. That might have been the one accurate part of the movie. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it was a good movie. The South Philly. Hey, the South Philly stuff was fun. You know, the guy yeah, hanging but out. He, but he wasn't from South Philly. That's the problem. Yeah, well, Vince Papali, basically. And Vince Papali uh, taught my brother in high school, which is really Yeah, cool. he's from media. He's from that Springfield area that you were uh Yeah, yeah. He, he, he taught at uh, Interborough High School. Yeah. yeah. See, there's another guy he right there. He played in the World League. For, no, you know, he kind of depicted as some guy who was, you know, off the streets who made the team, but he did play in uh, in the World League when that was around. So. Hey, well, Jeff, back in those days, <laughs> in the, the mid-'70s, when Vermeer yeah. came in there, that team sucked. I mean, the fans were just, I mean, I was one of, it was terrible. Yeah, and, no, that was that was a, a renowned team for not 
We're not meeting expectations. Hey, but guys, wait. You guys are talking about teams that suck. And, and the one thing about that, that's, you know, go back to coaching and things of that nature, you know, that's what a great coach has the ability to do, come in and take a team, you know, that sucks. You, you look at the Boston Celtics right now. Here's a team that they had three of the starters or two of the starters were not there last year. So that's 40% when you talk about, you know, percentage-wise. That's 40% of the production is coming from these new guys that are, you know, inserted into this starting lineup. Yeah, you know what, Ray? And hey, football, hey, hold on, let me make that point. Doc me... Rivers, who is a player. Doc Rivers is a great, great motivator and a great player, and he brings that style to Boston because Boston was in the toilet last year, weren't they? Yeah, but then that's my point I'm trying to make. It's like, okay, what they did is that, that the face of that team, that's 40%. If you look at a football team, and, and your starting lineup, if you got to do, you know, 40% of your starting lineup has to change in order to make you productive. You know, it's so hard to do that in, diff, in football as opposed to what it is in basketball. You know, it's just a couple players in basketball. You know, you, you know, when you talk about football, you know, you're talking eight to ten players in terms of turning that roster over and then going into a Super Bowl or a playoff series. And that's not easy to do. So training camp is extremely necessary for these guys. Hey, Jeff. Jeff, yeah. who do you think is going to win this NBA championship? <laughs> well, to be honest with you, before before the series began, I thought the Lakers were going to win in six. So uh, if I stuck by that, that prediction, I'd look pretty silly right now. Um, you know, Boston's only got to win one more game, so you really have to think that Boston has the advantage. Yeah, I think Boston has the advantage, and I've said all along Boston, but, you know, I'm living in the Los Angeles area, and you just wouldn't believe. They're blaming Kobe. The fans here and the media are blaming Kobe for that loss the other night on the 24 points, that he should have took over the game, took over the team, and, 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 and win the game by all by himself. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because the, the reason I felt that the Lakers were going to win the series before it started was because I felt that of all the guys who were on the floor, the one guy capable of taking over and dropping, you know, 60 points if he had to with Kobe. Now, I'm not going to blame him for that loss, but I am a little bit surprised given his past tendencies to kind of recognize when the team really needed that extra juice and then him just deciding, you know, screw the triangle, just get me the ball. And then usually that's when you see Kobe do his 50, 60, and sometimes 70 or more thing. I'm a little surprised that hasn't happened yet. Well, wait, guys, both of you, you got to remember now, this is the best defensive team in the NBA that they're playing against. This is a defensive player of the year in Kevin Garnett that's out on the court. When Kobe had that problem, Kobe said every time he got the ball, he saw three people coming at him. So mm-hmm. he, he had it in mind to try to do that. But then a great player also is one that understands that he can't do it all by himself. He has to trust yeah, his teammates. That's an interesting line, though. I mean, I, like, I agree with you, but I also think right now Kobe player is the best player in the NBA. I, I agree, Jordan, too. I think and Kobe's when Jordan the was player. the best player in the NBA, he was seen a double and triple team, and there were still times when they absolutely needed it where he could drop 55 if they needed it. Okay, I I, we're going to take a commercial break. We're going to take a commercial break because we got music, but I want you to think about a name that I'm going to mention that Jordan trusted in one of his championship series games. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Make up a child. He'll get you out of that to your head. 
JackLaLane.com presents Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine LaLane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris LaLane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how. Three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Take a look inside the country's fastest-growing professional sports organization. Join Robbie Kendall for Inside the ABA on the Voice America Sports Channel. The show will feature weekly interviews with the owners, players, coaches, and influential league executives. Tune in and be a part of the fastest-growing sports organization in the world. You can hear Inside the ABA every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Yes, everybody, everybody, everybody out there listening to Voice of America. We thank you. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network with the number one co-host in the world. And we have Jeff on the line with us as well. Hey, Jeff, and I, and I just got to say to you because I remember I'm still watching it, you know, to this day. And let, me, let me take a guess. John Paxton. Hmm. Wrong. Jeff? Ding. Hey Jeff, you with us? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think. I mean, he had a lot of guys that he trusted. You know, I mean, yeah, but it was one. It was one that he trusted. That uh, to this day, I think everybody remembers him. And I'm just going to who that guy is now. I can't think of his name. You talking about Pippin? No, Pippen. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. Yeah. That's exa- Steve dropped that. Steve on the sideline said to Michael on the timeout, "Listen, man, if they you know if they double team or they triple team, I'll be ready. I'll yeah, be Steve waiting." Kerr hit a lot, you know what? Steve Kerr hit a lot of big shots, but really, Steve Kerr was just an extension of that triangle that always made the perimeter shooter uh, the guy to, to, you know, take the shots when Jordan was getting double and triple. And that really started with Craig Hodges, and at one time it was Judd Bushler, and then it became Steve Kerr. And then even after Steve Kerr, uh, I think Fan Man mentioned, or before Steve Kerr was Paxson, and then they even had another guy after Kerr. So they've always had that kind of interchangeable perimeter shooter that could just knock down that shot whenever Jordan was double and triple team. Triple team, yeah. And well, well, the fact, but, but the point that I was trying to make is uh-huh. the fact that, listen, 
you, you got to trust your role players because they're not going to let you win the game. You know, it will come a point in time where they will say, okay, if we're going to lose this game, Kobe Bryant is not going to beat us. Somebody else will have to beat us, but Kobe is not going to uh, beat uh, us. And that's what happened the other day. Okay, they right. decided so what's that Kobe, Kobe have to do? Who, who's his... Who's the guy that he trusts that can make the play happen if he's if he's if he's uh, you know if he's guarded two and three on one? I mean, what, what, what do they have to do to win this game tonight? Well, uh, no, I, well, you, you're talking to the wrong guy because I believe that the Celtics are going to win. I think it's all over. I think if you can stick the fork in the Lakers, they're done. You know, well, I, I already said the Celtics are going to win the game too. But I mean, you know, I, I'm thinking, and this uh, I'm going to go on the, on the line here on, on the diving board. I think that I think LA's going to win that game tonight. I think LA is going to win the game, and, they, and, they're, and this is going to go to a seventh game. That's what I think, and I think Boston's going to win it. Well, Boston will. If it, listen, I, I just said Boston will win the series. I said they would not sweep the Lakers, and of course they didn't. But if they if they win it or six or seven, you know, just win. I mean, just win, baby. That's it, you know. But it, they're not going to lose this series to Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. It just, it, I don't think it'll happen. You know, I can't well, say. I think if the Lakers want to come out and steal this one tonight, they, like you said, Ray, they got to have that guy step up that maybe not expected. They have to either have more contribution from Lamar Odom or they just have to get Derek Fisher to knock down those perimeter shots. It's usually a guy off the bench, an unsung guy right. like Steve Kerr, like Craig Hodges, who, who, who can knock, or Robert Ory is a perfect example. And he was on the Lakers and he's done it for the Spurs too. Uh, and so has Derek Fisher in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers do steal it tonight that if you see one of those names that you haven't seen much uh, as far as production, kind of have a breakout game. Well, as in my opinion, you know, Derek Fisher is a person of which for some reason or another, I, I think his, his talent, his ability, and his appreciation by fans is it, not appreciated. I mean, this is a man, he's been a part of those championship games that, that Kobe has participated in with Shaq. So and he's been a starter. I mean, yeah, but right. you know what? He's a role player. Hey, I mean, Ray, he had Ray. a chance as a starter, and he didn't. He didn't do anything all that special when they paid him all that money. I forget what team he went to. Uh, um, uh, well, he went to Utah. Utah. A couple of years ago. He went right. to Utah. Utah. Hey, yeah. And he really didn't do anything. He just takes. I mean, he should get his credit for taking advantage of, of those spots that he gets to perform. But he's not uh, an elite player by any means. Yeah, but well, I wait, wait, fan man. Let Lamar me let me answer Odom. that question. Lamar Odom Richard. has not stepped up to the plate. Lamar That's Odom should be a superstar, and he's still playing mediocre. He's he hasn't he hasn't taken the next step, the next level to stardom, superstardom where he should be. And there's been a lot of complaining in Los Angeles and Southern California about his play over the last couple games uh, for the championship. Well, let me just say this, guys. I'm I'm, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna defend Derek Fisher. Derek Fisher has had t- three teams because now he's back on the Lakers, which is a different team than the one he was on before. He's won a championship with the Lakers. He was in a championship series that would have taken him to, you know, the NBA championship series. Uh, he was in the division series championship with Utah. And now he's back, you know, as a role player again with the Lakers. I mean, you got to look at something and say, oh, this guy must be doing something because he's getting minutes on the floor and he's contributing. So I don't think that he is, you know, an Achilles heel for the Lakers. I think it's somebody of which has helped them get to where they're at. And then let me talk about this guy, Lamar Odom. Now, here's a guy who's, you know, six foot ten and, you know, is handling the ball at the top of the key. Again, you know, he hasn't reached that superstar status, but I think he's a very good player and he's a little inconsistent. But he will show up sometimes and have you know, some big games. I just think he's a little bit inconsistent. You know what the other factor here is that we haven't talked about is the bench. The bench for the Celtics are doing a better job than the Lakers bench. And I think that is the difference in why the, the Boston will win this series because the bench 
um, has has a lot to do with it. They're going up and they're they're keeping the game going. And where when LA goes out with their bench, uh, it kind of is like it falls apart a little bit. Well, you know, that's what we talked about role players. We were talking about Hall of Famers, Pro Football Hall of Fame, and things of that nature. But, you know, that's what happens many times. You know, you look at, we talked about the guy who plays for the, uh, for the, for the Giants, who, who may not even make uh, the team this year. The, you know, the wide receiver, forgive me, I've been hitting my head too many times, I forgot David, his name. David Tyree. Yeah, David he Tyree, made David Tyree. You know, won the Super Bowl. Again, he's a role player. He may not even make the team this well, year. you know what? They didn't guarantee him a roster spot. He has to make the team. Right. Well, so, and, he sh- and he should have to. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys are saying he, sh- he should automatically be on the team, but, like, he's a, he's a role player. I mean, he happened to make a spectacular catch, and he, you know, wrote a book about it, and he will definitely get his proceeds for that. But if there are four receivers or five receivers better on the team, and there probably are, then it's understandable if he doesn't make the team. And I agree with you. I agree with yeah. you, Jeff. But, you know, what has, what has to happen is whenever you're called upon, you just got to be ready. If you get a chance to step on that court tonight, whoever the Lakers put out there, whoever the Celtics, you know, they put out there, mm-hmm. these are professional athletes that are competing at the highest level. There is none greater than the NBA when it comes to basketball. And mm-hmm. people are expecting them to produce. And if they don't, then it comes a time where you got to look at the roster and you got to make some changes. But well, you know I think. What? You know what? Getting back to the Tyree thing, he did produce. Well, he produced then, but, but. Yeah, he, he produced, produced at that. Game, but, at, uh, you know, did he produce enough to keep a job for his career? That, that's very debatable. Well, apparently yeah, the coach must have felt something when they put him in there. Well, you know, you know what happens, guys, is a lot of times right now we're not aware of what happens in the offseason. Remember, I talked about the Celtics. The Celtics did three thi- two things in the offseason last year that has them in the championship series. They put two new people, as far as I'm concerned, two very high-profile people on oh. that roster, and it, enti- it, 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 it changed the entire landscape of that team. Now, what have the Giants done with their team to change that makeup and the landscape of that team? They must have done something because now they don't think that they need the guy who made the greatest catch in Giants history. They don't need him anymore. And, you know, again, but they may not have needed him even if they didn't win the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, he's he was the fourth wide receiver in that set. They were drafted Mario Manningham. Uh, They've got Steve Smith, they, although Plexiglas Burris right now is holding out, so they really might need David Tyree. But, you know, hey, that's what training camp's for, like we were talking about. David Tyree doesn't deserve anything other than congratulations for what he did in the Super Bowl, but his, his roster spot, he's going to have to fight for it like he has every year. Well, I think he, I, I think he definitely will have to fight for it. Uh, it's one of those things, guys. Man, I hate to say this. We're running out of time, but he definitely will have to fight for that roster spot. I think everybody should have to fight for that roster spot. I believe a manager lost his job because they think even managers have to continue to earn their job in baseball ongoing every day. And and we all should. We compete at the highest level. We're paid a lot of money for it, and we enjoy it. I heard some music, but they decided to stop. Maybe they're extending our time a little bit more. Maybe so, they are. Hey, we appreciate that, guys. Hey, you listen to Rail of Sports <laughs> on the Voice America Network uh, with the number one co-host in the world. Amen. And I think we've been extended. Ah, uh, nah. That was a trick. I hear the music. You hear the music. It's all over. As I said, <laughs> you've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Sandman. Jeff Mosher always joins us. He'll be back next week. And as always, I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Say yeah, I've got to be me. You'll never be now, that's what it's all about.